right, let's go. It's hour three of the Plank Show on a Monday. Hey, one thing that didn't, because I wanted to make sure we got some uh, baseball and obviously softball talk in and the top five stories of the day. But congratulations to my guy, Christopher Bell. That was really awesome yesterday to see our guy, Christopher Bell, to see him go on the dirt and get that win. Friend of the show. Uh, Here's what he had to say about the final restart and what he had to do in order to, uh, to try to stave off Tyler Reddick and I think what Ryan Blaney was in that mix as well too but this was this was Christopher Bell yesterday uh, I mean I, I was gonna I was fully committed to block the move uh, and you know I, I'm sure that he would have given me a little friendly bumper and you know I don't know I might have spun out I might not have spun out but uh, I was prepared to block the move maybe that would have caught him off guard um, but you know I, I was uh, I didn't know the yellow flag came out until I had already shown my hand going into turn three um, so it was probably going to be an exciting finish. That's for sure. Why have we not had him back on the show? Oh, he's big time now, man. Oh, I get that, but <laughs> he's one racist. He's done with us. You want me to try to reach out this week? I mean, why not? I, I, he didn't strike me as somebody that would no, big time us. I, I don't know. He's not. I just at all. I mean, we, I, and we've talked to him off the air a couple of times, but it's been a good, what, two years since he's been on the show. I mean, some would say that his rise to stardom sort of coincided with Started the right here. here. Started right here. I would. Now, the 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 sum would be, you know, myself, but I I would add that I think it's so cool to see the success that he is having as a Norman guy. You know, this is not someone who claims Norman because their family moved here for a summer. This is somebody who was Born, raised, what went to Norman North before going full time into into racing. I mean, it's a guy now that he's going to the playoffs. Now you get a win, you're in the playoffs. So we got to make that happen. We got to reach out. It doesn't have to be until the season's over either. Yeah, I know he's won five times. That was his fifth win on tour on 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 NASCAR already. I I don't know. I think Dodger Blaine was on board with me, but. I really love it. I thought it was a great race. And the reason he was talking about that last lap is because you had a caution that came out, right, is that um, final turn with a car literally stuck in the middle of the turn. It's like, whoa, there's a car there. All right, you ready for the um, top five stories of the day? Let's, uh, let's get after it. It is a Monday version. It is always hour three. Of the Plank Show is brought to you by Mop and Roofing, locally owned and operated, and fully insured, licensed, and bonded. Mop and Roofing is serving all of Oklahoma and has been in business for over 35 years. 405 703 3843. So let's kick it off right with the top five stories of the day. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. Ah, yes. Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit 107, 14 table games, including Blackjack, three-card poker, Ultimate Texas Hold'em, and Baccarat NewcastleCasino.com. Big story number five. Number five. And on a majority of days, this would be big story number one. Michael Hawkins, we just spent 20 minutes talking to 
I almost said Parker Thune. Talking to Travis Davidson about it. The four-star legacy has committed to Oklahoma. Frisco Emerson High School. He's in McKinney, Texas. Uh, chose Oklahoma over, what, TCU was one of the final two that were in the mixed form. Alabama was uh, hot in pursuit. 6'2", 195-pound Hawkins, number 19 quarterback in the 2024 recruiting class and the 53rd-ranked player in the state of Texas. Uh, he had long been rated a four-star by 24-7 sports but was dropped to a three-star? Is that right? My reading was true. He still rates four stars in the composite rankings, picked OU over TCU, but had offers from Alabama, Arkansas, Michigan, Nebraska, Penn State, and 10 others. So congratulations to Michael Hawkins. Michael Hawkins Sr., who is part of that 2002 team, um, solid cornerback, good to see Michael Hawkins Jr. makes. I haven't really been able to find any find any really good audio of the actual commitment, right? There's there's good video and the audio is kind of from afar, but seems like it's a really good get and fits in line with what Oklahoma wants in the quarterback position. A guy they can bring in, um, learn for a year or two from Jackson Arnold, and then hopefully be the guy or find yourself in a competition with Kevin Sperry by that point. Whenever Jackson Arnold, if things go as planned, you know either turns pro or says, hey, I'm coming back for another year if things go really well. I think it's worth pointing out, too, with on three and 24-7 sports, they both have Hawkins as a three-star prospect, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Now, meanwhile, you've got rivals that list Hawkins as the 144th player nationally, four-star kid, ESPN, again, top 250 kid, four-star. There's a long way to go before these recruiting rankings are finalized. <laughs> right. And there could be some fluctuation from both on three and 24-7 sports. Bottom line is Oklahoma got its guy at quarterback in the 2024 class. And as we heard from Travis Davidson, you'll hear from Parker later today. This is somebody that, again, anytime you get a quarterback plank, there's some sway in a class. There's some gravitational pull that a quarterback has. And uh, Oklahoma's got that here with Hawkins. Big story number four. Number four. All right. Number four. Brown's putt on the way and in. And another Spanish superstar will wear a green jacket. John Rahm becomes the fourth Spaniard to win at Augusta. He's won the 2023 Masters Tournament by four shots. He joins Sergio, Jose Maria, and Seve. The Spanish Armada of Augusta champions. Ah. I see what I, you did there. I like it. Of course, there is nothing better in John Rahm and his victory speech than this. For those people who believe in, in jinxing other players, people, and whatever it may be, Thursday morning when I was on my go- on getting on the golf cart to get to this putting green 10 minutes before my tea time, I saw a text from a good friend of mine, and I'm going to name him because he is a Super Bowl winning champion, Zach Ertz. Um, he, he said the text, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase here, but he said that first green looking like a walk in the park or something like that right now, 10 minutes before I four-putted the start of the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Zach. <laughs> Don't ever do that again, please. So the funniest part, so too. So good. The funniest part of it was it wasn't 
just Zach Ertz. It was a group text. I mean, think about the people in this group text. John Rahm, Zach Ertz, and J.J. Watt. Those are the three people in a group text, right? And Zach Ertz sends the, let's go, have a day. J.J. Watt says, pretend you're playing with Zach and I. You'll set the course record. And there's that text. Zach Ertz, first hole green, looks like a walk in the park. <laughs> why, why did he send that, man? Oh, that's great. It, it, it's and, really pretty funny because obviously he four putts it and makes double bogey. But then John Rahm proceeds to be great the, the rest of the tournament and obviously goes on to win. It, it makes it better that he won this thing because he sent that text and because it went so horribly wrong on the first green. And I'm sure he was being sincere, right? Like everybody was going out and birdieing one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't help, but but laugh at that. I mean, because he won. But we all have a friend who's kind of a mush, and every time they say something's going to happen, either a it never happens, or b you feel pretty confident going in the other direction. How about that from from Zacherts? What do you think? Is it just a matter of Brooks Kepka got caught up? Do you think the injuries played? I don't think it oh, I think it just do. played bad. It happens in the game. Yeah, I, I don't think it had – to me, I, I know, I see the jokes. I don't think it's anything to do with he's accustomed to playing 54 holes now instead of 72. Look no further than uh, Phil Mickelson, who, oh, by the way, is 52 years old and uh, went and carted a 65 on the final day in this tournament. Patrick Reed, it had everything to do with – there's pressure. Sure. He didn't play well. John Rahm played great. They got no further uh, than that. You know what? And I got to tell you something, Josh Helmer. John Rahm has my attention. I like the dude. I'm going to – I was a fan, but just – now I'm going to watch a lot when he plays. The dude four-putted the first green and still won the tournament. First guy ever to, to do that. I mean, unbelievable. All right, um, big story number three. Number three. All right, so a, a tough one for the Oklahoma Sooner baseball team on Saturday. I know with, with softball and baseball, we're going back to Saturday here because it was the the, the Easter weekend. So thir- I, don't, I don't feel like I'm, I have to break any news. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday with the, um, with, with the baseball and the softball series. Obviously not what Skip Johnson wanted. Here was his post-game so- uh, conversation with T-Row. Baylor wins 5-3 on Saturday, and I'm on the field with Skip Johnson. Post-game interview brought to you by Brahms. Your thoughts today, Coach? Yeah, I thought uh, Carson tried really hard to win the game instead of just taking it one pitch at a time. I thought Braden was outstanding. It was the best he's thrown probably since he's been here. Besides the Arkansas game, I mean, he was in control. His rhythm was good, and we just didn't fight back. We couldn't get a big hit when we needed to and uh, until we stopped feeling like we're the victims and start break through that ice, and it's going to continue. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, we just argue with the umpires all all day long, and we just got to break through that and, and making it about one pitch. And we got to continue to make it about one pitch. And we almost broke through it. And we played really hard the last six innings of that game. It was really outstanding watching. We had some good at bats, and and that's what happens. Two great performances by Braden this week. I would assume he might be in contention next weekend, maybe. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. It's. You could sense frustration, right? And I've noticed I've noticed something in just in general. Coaches are really not just, you know, skip there, but I, I noticed 
that Coach Castle worked on. And I go back to, you know, talking fouls and, and officiating with Ginny Baranchek. I tell you something, man, I was blown away with how much the, the push is. Hey, quit grinching about the officials. What are you doing? Let's quit grinching about the strike zone. Adjust. Make it work. We know it's bad, but there's nothing we can do about it. I like that from Skip. I think we'll see a renewed focus tomorrow night when they take on Wichita State. Big story number two. Number two. At 6.30 tomorrow night in Norman against Wichita State before the Sooners have their massive series at home against Texas Tech. Meanwhile, softball, we're on our way to Louisiana State University. Perhaps you've heard of them, the LSU Tigers. Um, I I played this about an hour ago, but here was my conversation with Coach after the game whenever she talked about, hey, uh, well, she talked about the win over the – she talked about the series win over Texas Tech and how she felt about the way things went Saturday. Uh, Much better. Good response throughout the lineup. Good swings. uh, Scored early, scored often, so we, we had six down by the third inning. And then uh, we just kind of stalled again. And if we could walk this off, find a way to get us another run, we are out of here an hour earlier. So we need to do a little bit better job of that. I thought pitching outstanding, defense outstanding. Outfield played great. Alina uh, Boone made a big-time play out there as well. Uh, so everything clean and good. I just got to continue to hammer down these at bats, and I loved, I mean, I literally crossed out about every name in, on our lineup. And that's important. That's important to give the future an opportunity to play. You know, and, and again, speaking of that future, I thought it was pretty good to see Kirsten Deal work through that in the, what was that, the that fifth, sixth inning? Fifth, yeah. Uh, or sixth, yeah. It was, um, the more we can feed her, the better. And I, I know some people really want, like, don't take me out. I'm like, this game doesn't mean, and you got to understand team concept. And, um, I, I know Kirsten's been working her tail off every day of practice, so get this opportunity is really important for her. And then one final one, how about the night for Haley Lee? I mean, she was just, uh, she was feeling it. She was. I don't know if it's because she's familiar with a uh, former hitting coach who wanted to show things off a bit, but uh, she's in a groove. I'm telling you what, if I was a pitcher, she's not somebody I would want to face. And she covers the plate really well with great power. Congrats, Coach. Happy Easter. Same to you. This will be the 19th time tomorrow night, Josh Helmer, that the Oklahoma Sooners have played LSU. The last time these two teams met, the 2016 Women's College World Series. And I'll never forget the significance of something that took place very early in that game, and again, that was my first year covering softball. I'm learning a lot. I still learn about the sport every single day, and I think many do too. I I was trading texts with uh, my buddy Stephen York, and he he went back to watch the illegal pitch that was called. He's like, wait, what what was illegal about that pitch that was called on, on Texas Tech? But I'll never forget the last time these two teams met in, in 2016. The thing that resonated with me was uh, Beth Trina, who is their head coach. She was down the third baseline, and when Paige Parker would start to pitch, she had picked it. She she had she saw something in the way that Paige was handling the ball in her glove, and I want to say I don't think DJ was with me. Maybe she was, but maybe it was um, 
Oh, it was Cootie. Cootie was on the broadcast with me. And someone had told her, had texted her, he's like, she's picking pitches. And then she just started yelling. She she would run down. Paige would start in her windup, and you'd hear her go, change, 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 or drop, drop, drop. And so Missy Lombardi came out and had a long conversation with Paige, and they adjusted it, and Oklahoma won the game. Oklahoma won the game, Josh. Ah. The Sooners won the game. So the last time these two teams played were 2016, or was 2016. Oklahoma is 1-3 and three in Baton Rouge. The Tigers took the last uh, – Tigers won the last time the two teams met in 2015. That was kind of a rough stretch in 2015 for Oklahoma whenever they went there to play LSU. Much different world for tomorrow, which gets us to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. The NBA playoffs are here, and for the first time in a couple of seasons, Josh Elmer, the Oklahoma City Thunder are part of it. But that – um, OKC. Now, here's let's let's look at this from two perspectives. Number one, they deserve to be in. They played better down the stretch than Dallas. But <laughs> how about Mark Cuban realizing uh, we're going to lose this pick if it's not in the lottery? Let's just go ahead and sit, everybody. I thought pull the plug on this thing. It's clearly not going the direction we hoped. I, the and the NFL is like we are opening an investigation. Are the NBA? Excuse me. We're opening an investigation. How far back are we going with this investigation? Then yeah, are you going to go after Philadelphia? <laughs> I mean, right? Are you going after the Sixers? Are we going to talk to Thunder. Sam Presti? <laughs> I mean, that injury in quotes that Josh Giddy had last year. I mean, I just I I Houston. love it. I love it. I love it that Dallas made that move and everyone lost their mind over it. Everyone told me about how great the Chandler Woods acquisition was, and lo and behold, they stank. It's kind of like the you, you, what the Mavs got in trouble for is like that Stephen A. Smith video that everybody always shares. Right. You're not wrong, but you didn't have to say it, <laughs> right? It's like everybody knows what's happening. Everybody knows that you're a sitting starter so you can ensure that you keep that pick or attempt to keep that pick, but you can't. Mr. Kidd, you can't say those things no. publicly. No, you can't. You can't. But the, so the NBA is opening up an investigation into the the Mavs. But I mean, well, you, you could come up with something. It's like, yeah, well, there was a knee thing, and he couldn't go. And we don't want to risk it. They they ought to just get me on the phone. I can complete the investigation for them. Uh, yes, they were tanking. <laughs> Done. Investigation over. You have. One game to play to make the playoffs, and you sit all your players. Yeah, that's. I think it's kind of obvious what's going on there. How about uh, just all of the different stories you hear coming out of there? Are they going to sign Kyrie long-term? What does mm-hmm. the money look like? Luka Doncic, is there a trade request not too far down the, the road here? I mean, it is a disaster city in Dallas right now. Absolutely incredible. Incredible. Hey, you, you want to get a little sneak peek on what they're saying about the Thunder? Sure. Because OKC will play in the play-in game. You just had that on, what is that, uh, Wednesday? Wednesday. Wednesday, and if they win, then they'll turn around and play either the Lakers or the Timberwolves, whoever loses that game. They're playing the uh, Thunder. Good find by at basketball guru D. Willie Green was asked about the Thunder a while back. I think this was after one of their games, and this, I think, is still relevant here today. I'm, I'm extremely proud of him, but also the job that he's doing 
Um, you don't want to walk in this building and play against this team because of how well they're coached and how disciplined they are, how free they play. And uh, that's a credit to the coaching staff and Sam and his staff and high character players that they bring in this building. That's pretty pretty high praise from back in February. February, Willie Green talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are back in the playoffs, and boy, they did. They crushed their over-under win total, didn't they? 26 and a half. I got to be honest with you. I, I would have been willing to take the over to start the season, but I would have spent every single minute nervous that at any second they were going to pull the plug. Right. Because that's what happened last year, too. Ugh. All right. Um, we'll have more on the Thunder, obviously, as we count down to 8.30 on Wednesday night, OKC versus New Orleans. They will play the loser of the Lakers-Timberwolves game. So, final regular season home game. And unless they get in a series with the Nuggets. If they win, they'll play the loser. Wait, did I say that? Did I say it wrong? Well, no, you, I mean, you're right. The, yeah, the, the winner of Thunder Pelicans okay, okay, would play I'm the sorry. loser of. Final home game, unless they beat the Pelicans and then the Timberwolves, and then they'll play Denver in the first round of the tournament. That's the only possible first-round matchup they have would be with the one seed. Lakers have a chance to play Memphis as the two or Denver as the one. But I kind of think with the way things went in Minnesota yesterday, Josh, oof. Either one of two things happens. Minnesota comes and balls out tomorrow night and blows out the Lakers because they come together as a team, or the exact opposite happens, and they just get run out of the building. I can't decide which one. Are the Lakers about to go on a postseason run? I, I think there's a chance because of the way the bracket's set up for them. Did you see that I'm such a dummy, I actually am starting to bring a bracket with me everywhere. Really? Nice. Yeah. I don't think they're good enough to get to the finals, but I think they could maybe – Maybe win one of those, that first series. Hey, Thunder fans, who are you rooting for in the Suns-Clippers series? <laughs> because, you know, you always want the Clippers to lose, so all that draft capital that you still have, it looks better. Yeah, to me it's... But then you're, you're rooting for Kevin Durant if that's the case. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's over at this point. With Katie? I, yeah, and, and to okay. me, I, I like the Suns. I, I think it'd be nice to see them win a world championship. They never have. The Oklahoma City Thunder also have a very strong gambling claim from this season, Josh Helmer. They were one of the top five NBA teams against the spread, 45, 34, and 3. The best NBA team this season against the spread? The Utah Jazz, 47, 33, and 2. And what do those two teams have in common? Kind of rebuilding? Yeah, neither one's very good. Neither one of them. So there are favorable spreads out there. All right, quick break. When we come back, uh, much more on the Cruton side. Got a lot of post, uh, a lot of weekend audio to catch up on right here on The Ref. I do think the screenshots you just sent me are newsworthy. Can we get into it here real quick? Sure. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, right? You're starting to see a lot of, and it's college basketball related. You're starting to see a lot of commitments out of the portal as we welcome you back into the Plank Show on and, the And ref. one we were surprised by. The LJ Cryer one? Oh, yeah. I mean, it seemed like a slam dunk. No doubt he's going to Kansas State. He's teaming back up with Coach Tang. And then, lo and behold, and I'm happy for Coach Sampson. It's great for Houston, but surprise, right? Blown away. Absolutely, positively blown away. 
Now, they don't necessarily fit the portfolio of Houston doesn't of what we're about to discuss. But how could a move like this not lead you to believe that they are? Just thinking outside the box. Um, this is on the Big Ten side of things, right? This is on the Iowa side. Just kind of give you some perspective. So, and to give you a little perspective on this, the CEO of Iowa's collective, it's called the Swarm Collective, mm-hmm. went on a radio show and was discussing a bunch of topics. And one of the items he discussed was this. Okay. Last year, a high school senior loved his visit to Iowa, ended up at another school because the Hawkeyes couldn't compete with a three-year NIL deal worth $1.2 million. They wouldn't name him, but J.P. Estella? Right, that would be the name. Also, said schools like Creighton, Providence, Georgetown, Villanova are thriving in men's hoops NIL because they don't have football programs. It's easier to spread out millions to 15 players at Creighton than 135 guys at a place like Iowa. Thought or about Oklahoma. That. Or Oklahoma. Or Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma State, everyone's kind of freaking out about the portal for Oklahoma. Or, and then you make softball in it, a place like OU. Look at the portal for Oklahoma State over the last few days. It's crazy. Um, but that's pretty interesting when you think about the complexion of what men's college basketball could look like going forward. Somebody like Creighton uh, just just has a deep tournament run. And again, they don't have a lot of on-campus competition sure. in terms of name, image, likeness. So that's kind of fascinating. I, I, I don't have anything to back this up. This is a gut feel. And if you guys agree with me, you can hit me up. On the text line, 405-651-3439. Or, or on Twitter at Plank Show. I think that NIL in college basketball is infinitely more influential on these men and women and the decisions they're making than it is in football. I, By percentage, I would say, yeah, you're probably right. I just, I can't. I LJ Cryer has shook me, okay? And this is not a knock on Houston or Kelvin Sampson by any stretch of the imagination. Because Houston would be and it would be a landing spot that would make sense just based on the last three years. Look at all these games that they've won. Look what uh, Coach Sampson and company have done. And yet it makes you makes you wonder a little bit, even with that. But I Maybe he looks at – I can't question anything, right? The kid made his decision. It's not like this is home. He's a New Orleans guy. But Jamal Shedd and him are going to be pretty dirty. I just – Yeah, it's going to be a nice tandem. Here's the thing. I hear so much about – you know, they joke about the Cardinal way. I hear so much about the Baylor way in basketball, man. This is how they do it. This is what Baylor does. It's It's – all of these entities that factor into playing with a guy like Scott Drew and then Jerome Tangos and has this incredible success at Kansas State. So when someone leaves Baylor, a place that has been synonymous with bringing in great 
transfers. When they leave Baylor to go, I again, I don't think Houston is a lesser program. They're right there with them, but to go anywhere else, it's kind of on that same level. I mean, Houston hasn't won a national championship. L.J. Cryer won a national championship, for goodness sakes. And, yes, I'm not questioning any reason why anyone would want to transfer to each their own, whatever makes them happy, get paid young man, or or go where you're happy, right? I, I, I don't care. I'm just shocked for everything I hear about home, family, life, blah, 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 all these things that Baylor preaches, peace out, you know. I'm, I'm off to Houston. And it appears like the draft part of this isn't even a conversation anymore because originally he'd put his name in the draft and the portal. I, I don't know. It, NIL, and especially when you're competing against places that don't have to worry about football or sharing the pie a little bit. I mean, Georgetown got a massive transfer yesterday. Massive. Well, it's the Cryer situation is fascinating, too, because it's not like you're leaving a place in Baylor that has struggled. I mean, you're, you're two years removed from a national championship. So what does this mean for Oklahoma? Right? When you step back and you say, well, you guys could talk about this, but, you know, the, the number one – portal guy went to LSU seems to me they got football number two guy went to Penn State seems like they got football yes I understand we're going to start seeing good competition for these names the Sooners so far haven't really added a wow guy like a crier or a Caleb Love uh, could could be perceived to be Josh Adora who went to, to Providence that's a that's a big name that entered the portal but I'm just – the wheels are spinning. And I know Porter is doing his best sales job. I just wonder if the NIL situation for OU basketball makes it as tough to compete for OU and for Porter. Even though OU's got a great NIL plan, in college basketball specifically, when you're going up against some of these big dogs and you see Iowa having some issues with it too – I wonder how much that's truly hurting them on the trail, Josh. Oh, it's it obviously is. And then, again, when you think of the Creightons and the Villanovas and there's some basketball-specific programs out there, that's just extra competition, right? I mean, this is the focus. You want to feel really old, by the way? You want to know who's one of the biggest names that just uh, finished his recruiting in the portal? Jameer Nelson, Jr., Jameer Nelson has a kid that just transferred from Delaware to TCU. So we'll wait. There's obviously some spots for Oklahoma basketball that need to be filled, but you are fighting a massive uphill battle in the world of NIL right now with some of the commitments that are out there from different schools across the country. And then this this gets into what our constant NIL fight has been. What are you given to? Are you given to the university? Are you given to, you know – that, that donation side of it, have you been pulled into the NIL side? It's not an endless, you know, bottomless pit of cash. How many different entities are still out there? Are they working together? It's just there's a lot still to unpack in this, especially when you see in the hoops world, that's why that's why you're not seeing a lot of movement towards certain programs because they're not able to offer what others are. Oh, that's enticement. Exactly. Yeah, and, and that's just that it just is where we're at and it is what it is. And everybody is doing it. All right. Um anything and, else? And some are doing it better than others because they got more cash. Yep. 
Uh, all right, quick break. When we come back, the best of the text line as we roll on a Monday right here on The Ref. You want to uh, you want to hit that one first, Josh? Sure. Yeah, no, it, it's a good text. He's, uh, Josh had said neither Thunder and Utah were very good this year. That's why they had some favorable spreads against the spread. Yeah, they weren't weren't expected to be good. And the five eight zero rights you said Thunder and Utah were not very good. People said we wouldn't win twenty games this year. We won forty in the playing tournament. Did it with the youngest team in the NBA and without signing a big name superstar. SGA became a superstar this year. Uh, bet the Clippers would like that one back. I'd say we're pretty good this year, all things considered. We will not win at all, but we exceeded expectations. Bravo. Uh, agree with a lot of that, no doubt. Uh, what a loser's mentality. You were two games under five hundred. Congratulations <laughs> on making an orchestrated tournament for a franchise that has gone to the NBA Finals and the Western Conference Finals. Now we're patting ourselves on the back. Because we made the tenth seed? No, I'm just totally kidding. No, he's right. It's, there, it's, there's been there's been big time progress, and for the first time in three seasons, right? There there's reasons to be optimistic about what be. the future has in store. So no doubt, I, you know, relative to winning a championship was my point. That yes, they're they're not very good. They're not a legitimate factor there, but uh, relative to our expectations and hopes for Oklahoma City this season, absolutely there they have. Taking strides in the right direction. I agree that Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a star in the league. Chet's going to be added into this mix. And we'll see what that means. We don't know. We don't know what that means yet. But uh, <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. No doubt. Uh, the new D1 softball rankings are out. Um, Oklahoma stays at number one. Oklahoma State drops to number three behind UCLA. You might ask yourself, well, why did UCLA move up? whenever all they did was sweep a really bad Oregon State team. Well, I mean, this is now a, what, five, six, ten-game winning streak for UCLA. And in the midst of this, Oklahoma State did lose to Wichita State. And, I mean, I love Tara Henry to death, but D1Softball.com is run by a lot of UCLA homers. I don't think Oklahoma State should have been dropped to number three. Oklahoma State, to me, is the second-best team right now in college softball, period. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are on a collision course to play in a month for the Big 12 championship and might be on a collision course to play, depending on how the seeds shake out, for a national championship. But because, because Oklahoma State lost to a really good Wichita State team, we're going to drop them a spot. I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. Florida State, by the way, I kind of have a little higher than UCLA, to be honest with you. I kind of think it's Oklahoma State 2, Florida State 3. I mean, look what Florida State has done since playing here in Norman. They've they lost one game. It was a, a, a the game two of the series against Duke. They just destroyed Clemson, who everyone was saying, oh, my gosh, Clemson. They went to Clemson and did it. So I'm I'm a little bit higher on Florida State than I am anyone else right now. And just because – I mean, here's the other thing. Georgia, this is what makes these rankings so enraging to me. You ready? Georgia went 2-2 two and two this week. They were the eighth-ranked team in the country, according to D1Softball.com. They lost, um, they lost to Arkansas, and they lost to Kentucky. They, 
but since they won this, they won two or three. That's like, oh, let's move them up, move up to six. Oklahoma State still wins its series, and we drop them. We move up Georgia two spots. I don't, I don't get it. Um, Tennessee fell from four to seven, and Clemson took that mighty tumble from five to eight. Boy, we are just not punishing teams when they lose in the uh, in the D one softball pool. Biggest mover. Um, Boy, they made Arkansas pay. They dropped them three spots. LSU dropped a spot. But, yeah, I'm I'm trying not to get too caught up in rankings, man. They just piss me off right now, to be honest with you. Well, and the top of the board like that probably is not going to have much of an impact on who gets to not. host a Super Regional. Now, if things get a little squirrely, you know, 16, 17, 18, and beyond, that back half of the 25, that could influence some decision makers – for super regional it, hosting it, ability. Trust me, it it in some ways pains me to say this, but sooner Coetzel is with me, and so I feel good about it. Oklahoma State's the second best team in college softball right now. Now there's a pretty significant gap, I M H O between one and everyone else right now, but Oklahoma State's the second best team in the country. And guess what? Wichita State, they'd beat UCLA if UCLA went to Wichita too. They'd beat. Top 10 team. I'm scared to death of that trip next Tuesday. Wait, two weeks from today. I'm more worried about that than I am tonight. Or tomorrow night. I think Oklahoma's going to beat LSU. But next week in Wichita, it's tough. All right, it's a good um, program. Yeah, and True Sooner points out, hey, UCLA has been run-ruled at least twice this season. Doesn't matter. The people running the poll are UCLA grads, so they get a little bit more oomph. If you have UCLA number two over Oklahoma State because OSU lost to Wichita State and then turned around and went on the road and swept a decent Kansas team, ah, I don't get it, especially with how bad Oregon State is this year. All right, quick break. We'll wrap. I, I, I didn't realize the rankings were out. OU State a solid number one as we expected. Oklahoma State dropped to three. Texas is back in the top ten. Baylor's in the top 20 after they swept Tennessee this weekend. So, good-looking stretch run for the Sooners in getting challenged against ranked opponents in the Big 12. We'll wrap it up with the text of the day next. I appreciate this from the 918. Everyone talking about OU softball going to the SEC, that it will be tougher. Not really. The Big 12 is just as tough as the SEC in softball. Um, No. It's not true. Now, from a percentage perspective, you would say four of the seven teams are consistent national uh, are postseason contenders, right? Remember, Texas didn't Texas didn't even what host its own regional last year and had to kind of work its way through regional, super regional to get to the. Uh, or they had to go on the road for the super regional. Excuse me. So again, they're going to be good, better with these freshmen. They they smoked Iowa State this weekend. Uh, I, I agree with you on Baylor and obviously Oklahoma State, but, I mean, from top to bottom, it's it's every week. Arkansas. I mean, I saw what OU did at Texas A&M earlier this weekend, but, I mean, a weekend series at College Station is infinitely more difficult than a weekend series at Ames. Um, a weekend series against South Carolina now, with what they've been able to rebuild, is tougher than Kansas. So, I like, I'm not sitting here trying to dump all over the Big 12, but I, I can't get on board with that. You're taking a major step up when you go to the SEC. It is decidedly more challenging. Oh, and by the way, the first year you're playing in the SEC, 
no Jada, no TRA, no Kinsey Hansen, no Nicole May, right? No Riley Boone. I mean, you've got a lot that's going to be turning over in that lineup um, after 2020, 2024. Because the first year you're playing softball in the big, in the SEC is 2025. Uh, speaking of softball from the 405, when it comes to the world of women's college softball, has anyone made more of an impact than Patty Gasso? I would say no. There's great names, right? You go back historically. You know, Mike Andrea at Arizona did incredible things. UCLA's legacy that they had, I mean, is built on the foundation of two great coaches and a great pitcher in Lisa Fernandez. So, there, I mean, if you wanted to go historically, sure. But in taking this sport to another level, no doubt. 5808 writes the T in T Wolf stands for team. <laughs> uh, and I did like this in circling back to our very first conversation of the show today. For the 918, maybe that false alarm for Friday night made for a good emergency drill where there was possible danger, but it was a, gr- a drill. Nevertheless, this world has gone crazy, so it's nice to know the response was there. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I still have a page worth of stuff to talk about on this show today. I don't know where this program went. I don't know how we got so bogged down. Thanks to Travis Davidson for coming on. Obviously, we're all in on Cruton. Michael Hawkins' decision next with Parker Thune and the Steelman right here on The Ref.